0: Welcome to Ogilov Nanagus Conversations about Irish
1: mythology with the story archaeologist Chris Thompson and Isolda Carmody at www.storyarchaeology.com. When is a tree not a tree? An introduction to Owen. Well hello everyone. This is a, the first in our series of sort of intermission podcasts. Sort of extra features between the first and second series. Uh, We'll be putting out podcasts fortnightly from now on until a new and very exciting series on the great saga of Moitura begins and that'll be around Samhain, the end of October. These particular intermission podcasts won't have a lot of supporting articles but uh, they will have a few photos and such like. They're just meant to be a bit of fun until we start the next series. So we'll be looking at a range of individual
0: topics and little introductions here and there. Today's is an introduction to Ohm, but we'll also be talking about Shebeg. Which is where we live. The wonderful house where we live. Or house? Hill. Hill. Well, hill where we live. <laughs> um, and we might have interviews with special guests. And uh, Or look at Geshena. Yes, indeed. Those mythical taboos that seem to drive most uh, of the Irish sagas, especially the more tragic ones, seem to be all
1: completely motivated through Geshena. But let's start off with... Oh, now this I know is a great favourite subject of yours, isn't it? It is rather hobby-horsical. Uh, to put <laughs> that's it in, a good word, I like that, That's not me,
0: that's Tristram Shandy. Okay. But uh, it's, it's a fantastic word, so yes, it is a bit hobby-horsical for me. Um, this is most commonly known as the Irish tree alphabet, an old form of Irish script that we find inscribed on... Uh, mysterious standing stones around Ireland and even into Wales. Mm -hmm. Um, But many people are familiar with the idea of an Irish tree alphabet and even a tree calendar. Yeah. By the way, we ought to say it's usually O-G-H-A-M. Yes, we're using the modern
1: Irish pronunciation since we're used to that. The old Irish pronunciation would be O-G-H-A-M. Well, you know, before I even came to Ireland, when I was exploring every aspect of uh, Irish mythology... I came across a book by Robert Graves called The White Goddess. This had this intriguing, poetic image of this calendar tree circle, as well as this uh, wonderful, fanciful battle of the trees, the Welsh Battle of the mm. Trees. So I wondered what it was would be like if one actually grew one. Well, that's why, about 22 years ago when I first came uh, to live here, I thought it would be fun to see what one was like growing so I set to work and in my determination in and innocence I started planting trees as a as an old farmer nearby my next-door neighbor said to me ah mrs you're taking it heart out of a good field there so I did just that. I took the heart out of a good field, but I grew a wonderful tree circle. So we thought uh, that it might be interesting to give you a virtual tour of the tree circle. And I'll put up a few pictures of the tree circle on the way. Yeah. Well, if you can imagine of a great big circle in a field not so far from the house. The way of, of understanding how a
0: circle can also be a calendar is if you imagine having the winter solstice, the darkest time at the north, which is, of course, the darkest part of the sky. And then when you move around to the east where the sun rises... it'll be the spring equinox. It's also spring, yeah. And then when the sun's at its height in the south, uh, you find the summer solstice. And then when it sets in the west, it's equivalent mm. to the autumn equinox. So that's how you can map a calendar mm. onto a circle. And so this is done physically within the field.
1: Mm. Well, let's start at uh, the north, where the first tree moving round clockwise mm-hmm. as it were January you would start with the birch. The silver birch. The yes. silver birch was actually a very good place to start. It is and it's the first letter of the OM alphabet which is Beth which simply means a birch tree. It's also one you would traditionally make brooms out of. Mm-hmm. It's a first tree to colonize new land and it's all about beginnings. Yes. And interestingly enough as I work with this particular circle it's not just a Question of of telling the story of the trees, or even an alphabet or a calendar. What I find it most useful for is telling the story of the well, telling the story of stories. Really, yes. the journey of the hero or heroine. Though that's a completely different. You know, this is a, that's another podcast. That's another podcast. The difference between the story of the hero and the heroine. But if we go round uh, to the to the beginning, you know, the birth, the beginning. It's very much that that silver birch, and it's yes. it's, it's a tree that leaves early but also leaves its leaves early it does drop its leaves very early they're already beginning to drop now in september yeah um moving on going clockwise again we come to approximately february yeah around Imbolc, which is yeah. the first uh, in
0: in our calendar year law of regia first february beginning of spring
1: and uh, here you have the tree of the cradle, the rowan. Yes. And right. traditionally, cradles were made out of rowan. Yes,
0: and uh, rowan were used to uh, protect not just cradles, but also cow buyers. Mm-hmm. Um, because, of course, your cattle are as important, if not more important, than your Probably own more children. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it would, it would protect the cow
1: buyer as well as the cradle from. And it protected from fire. From fire, yeah. You yeah. know, you often have a rowan tree. It's one of the two trees you'll find at the entrance to most old houses. Yeah. And It was said to protect, you know, protect from fire, mm. uh, protect from the physical dangers as much yes. as anything,
0: which is similar to what the Bridget's Crosses are supposed to do. They're also supposed the to protect fire the house, yeah.
1: It's supposed to protect the house from fire as well. Mm. Same um, time of year, exactly. Yeah, and so there you have the, the uh, Rowan, beautiful tree, not easy to establish where we are because actually the land, so it's a clay base, is too rich for Rowans, and yeah. they're a tree that like. Um, poor, poor land. Poor thing. soil. Up on the, hence the mountain ash because um, it yeah. likes the thin and very dry soil that you'd get up the mountainside. Yeah. Well, you move on again to now you're approaching the spring equinox. Spring equinox. And yes. you come, or well, just before, you come to the ash. Uh, there are a lot of ashes here it's a it's very, a weed <laughs> basically beautiful trees but but again it's it's almost like here that that was the cradle and the throne was the cradle and the child now you come to the young hero standing tall fresh-headed bright uh, with the the black the black buds waiting to burst it's a it's quite an Uh, Not aggressive, but was quite a determined, assertive, assertive tree. Yes, and of course, it grows
0: lovely and straight, and it grows very quickly, and so that has always made it a favourite for spear shafts and for hurley sticks and all those things and arrow shafts. Yeah, all those things young
1: men like to play with. And it was always said that the the, would you cut ash? Would you cut for an arrow? Should not touch the ground. Mm. Um, so if you can imagine, it's it's the young hero, all dressed up, ready armed, all yes. dressed up. Not sure quite where he's going, but he's, he's going to get somewhere. there. <laughs> <laughs> and as you come to the uh, spring spring uh, equinox, you move on towards the alder. Now that's an interesting tree with its head in the clouds and its uh, roots in water. Yeah, traditionally. And in, in terms of the old
0: alphabet, it refers to the letter fern, um, which is represented in the Latin alphabet by letter F, uh, which means in an order. And uh, what we have along with the Oam alphabet is these three old Irish poems which talk about each Oum letter uh, in order. So one line of the poem refers to, the, like the first line refers to Beth, and it describes the characteristics of the birch as birch, having yeah. a withered trunk and fair hair. Um, and we refer to these as the Kennings, because they give us clues about the meanings of the letter names. And so when we come to Fern, the Alder, it talks about Dien Chridda, which is a protection for the heart. And also Aranach Vian, which is the protection or the vanguard of the, the warrior back. The all shield. All about the
1: shield. So it's you know, it's all very well young ash with your mm. spear and your arrows but you'd be better off with the shield yeah. that follows Yes. and rather like the old uh, idea of which is best, the sword or the scabbard and mm. in the Arthurian cycle Arthur chooses a sword and mm. is then told ah oh, but the scabbard would have been better mm. and and
0: within the language actually of, of Old Irish we have the term gashgad which is used to mean sort of weaponry or armory but it's made up of two words guy which is the spear mm-hmm. and shkiath, which is the shield and so by putting those two words together guy and shkiath, you get the whole concept of armory of mm-hmm. weaponry and so it has to have those components in order to so be you
1: a young hero fully armed mm-hmm. sword and shield yep. and sets off yes Around the circle, you're coming on towards Beltane mm-hmm. now towards May. Yeah. And there, first of all, you meet the mirror, the willow. Yes. And it's interesting the two trees that come here, uh, the willow with its wonderful spring-like quality, the, the the catkins and the the leaves, and yet and yet, <laughs> it's the adventure trees. It mm. seems so uh, easy, mm. but just think of how willows turn up in mythology, from oh, yes. Tolkien's Old Man Willow. Yeah. And believe me, he always knows where his mythology is coming from. Yes. <laughs> and... Um, even that the willow is always connected with walkers, with, yeah. with the with the tree that walks with the witches mm, and with in shape, the negative sense, shapeshifting. Shape yeah, yeah. Although the rowan is also suggested connected with shapeshifting, but that's more it's protective. Got, yeah, it's got a different character to it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And in fact, um, the the Irish letter name is Sal, which just means willow, and has the same Indo-European root as the English word willow, and indeed its Latin genus Salix. Um and the root seems to be sallow or soiled or dirty and also possibly kind of diseased. So it's got that kind of negative quality to it.
1: The colour of lifelessness.
0: Yeah, one of the kennings is Liambeth, which is the, the colour of a, a lifeless or a non-live thing. But then it also has the this other side to it, which is the tusakmella, which is the beginning of honey. And the Lbach, which is the the essence or the energy of bees, so so there you've got the catkins, yeah, and the early pollen. So. Funny enough,
1: when I was out in the uh, circle yesterday mm. and looking at the willow, and of course this time of year it does get very dirty looking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it depends on what sort of willow of you course, are, but yeah. the, the long-leaved willows yeah. and the cricket-bat willows and so forth, mm. they do get very dusty mm. and old and, and, scruffy and scruffy looking. Scruffy looking this yeah. time of year. Yeah. So maybe there's just something of that in it, but nevertheless, it, the, the mythology carries this rather odd. Yeah, well, uh, uh, yeah,
0: and there's that doubleness as well, you know, where you've got um, the, the medical applications of willow and of course, you know, any medicine well, you know, can, can be a poison as well so you've got that whole sort of you know, is it Death giving, or
1: is it life giving? Is it Mm -hmm. nourishing, or is it poisoning? You know, and especially this—this is coloured by what it moves on to. You move Mm. on to the hawthorn, Mm. the may tree. Yes. (laughs) Now, funny enough, this is another tree with which actually here blossoms after May. Mm. It blossoms into May, not at the beginning of May. But uh, it's got this wonderful idea of going, maying out into the woods and the, the moonlight and bright flowers and uh, just a general happy young image. Mm. But actually, no.
0: It tends to guard, you know, hidden pitfalls and doors into an underworld.
1: Yeah, you um, go out looking, you may find more than you were expecting. Yes,
0: and of course there's the, a traditional pro- prohibition on bringing Hawthorne into the That's house. That's right. So, um, and I think I heard as well that it, part of the chemicals in its scent is, in fact, the same set of chemicals that is released by a decaying
1: body. Oh, that's nice. So it has the well, smell of may, death. That may make sense. Yeah. If, um, I mean, it, its name has a odd meaning well, to it. Well, it's related to the
0: OM letter Uth, which literally just means horror. <laughs> um, and the, the Kennings to that talk about on Weizko which is the most difficult night and uh, Born of Ganusha, which is the whitening of faces so it's all that sort of terror fear and, and terror nightmare
1: but interesting enough Bieltina in the old stories is not a time for it's a time when you are prepared to fight for what's yours yeah you're taking on what is yours in the physical world mm-hmm. so the first thing it's the first battle the yeah. fear of the first battle yeah. the fear of the of the first encounter mm. Uh, Which you either survive and go on to be a a, a wisdom warrior and have wisdom, or you don't. Yes. And uh, anyway, let's go on. We move on then towards the, the summer solstice. Yes. We're coming to the south of the circle now, and you meet the oak. Yeah, wonderful tree out in the circle. Oaks
0: do tremendously well here. Um, and this corresponds with the oom um, letter Dar, which, again, means an oak. Um, any of you who know about some Irish place names, such as Derry or Kildare, you know that they also refer to Dar or, or Duras, so an oak tree or an oak grove, a very important
1: tree in every sense but of the word. It's sometimes sort of regarded as, if you like, the king of the woods, the king mm. of the trees, and yet, in fact, it's the craftsman of the woods, isn't it? Yeah, the Kennings talk
0: about... Uh, Funnily enough, kneeling craftsmanship, uh, which is an interesting one, and um, sort of diligent work. There's also a lovely description in one of the poems, which I think is typically Irish tongue-in-cheek, where it calls it Ard of Dussa, so it's the highest of bushes. So, but none then, of your
1: mighty tree. It's a very then, high shrub. Something that happens all the way through every Irish story we have or will look at, mm. we are constantly talking about uh, the, the the people, the, the Tour de Donham were people of crafts, yes. of skills. It wasn't a matter of, of nobility, it was a matter of what you could make, what yes. you could do, what you could achieve. Yeah, and therefore the tree that's, as it were, the the king of the trees mm-hmm. is the greatest of craftsmen. Yeah, the one who is most skilled. It's an O'Donnell tree. Yes, it is very much. You know, the many crafted. And in fact, of course, it supports an oak tree will support the widest number of species of any tree.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're extraordinary and a, and a very favoured wood, of course, for for craftsmen of all types and builders. You know. Uh, It's both strong and it's, you know, long-lasting and, you know, makes for good... Carving as well
1: so. so now we have the young hero who is armed but has learnt through the difficulties and mm. now takes on understands the importance of the artisanship yes and as being what makes you the great craftsman it's no good just telling people what to do you have to know how to do it yourself yes and have a mastery you know being a able mastery, to do it yeah. with your own hands is what really matters and this is what's valued all mm. the way in the stories mm. and then we go on we start passing into the second half of the year and the first tree we hit is the holly, yeah, now, in traditional, particularly English um, or a lot of Western mythology, you have the oak and the holly together, yeah, and in a way they represent the king and his tarnier yeah or uh, summer and winter equally, with, the, yeah. you know,
0: here referred to as the summer king of, of oak and the winter king of holly, and Holly, of course, very much associated with winter time. Um, and that's what is approaching. As soon as you've passed so the summer you, solstice, then oh, it's pressing the days and getting into and shorter again. <laughs> yeah,
1: oh. I don't like that. <laughs> but we have such wonderful long summer evenings yeah. where it doesn't really get dark till very late indeed. Yeah. But then you start noticing it creep again again. And you yeah. think, oh, it didn't last long enough. And also the holly is... Um, it's a very hard wood it's uh, it's slow growing mm. much more slow growing with the oak and it's right, it, it almost suggests that once you have achieved that mastery you must be prepared to know that you will it will change it doesn't stay the same yes and that you will need to
0: endure through change as well which Mm. the holly very much does the
1: second half of the tree the you know the second half of the year is a lot about endurance endurance yeah and survival yeah but we let's go on because something interesting happens now you and the way i've planted the circle anyway Mm. you have two trees which i have put together Mm. which is the hazel and the apple yes now, um, the hazel in Irish mythology is tremendously we well known, All the hazel. It
0: is. It's, it's, it's of central importance. And that is, after all, where the salmon of wisdom get their wisdom from is from the hazelnuts that drop into the pool. And it's those that give them their tremendous wisdom, which, of course, if you manage to catch and eat one, you can then Had get they yourself. they not
1: the whole world in a nutshell? Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's, it's hardly surprising that it does appear... Uh, as well in the OM alphabet as the letter C or Cull. Um, Although the Kennings are quite, they're not exactly prosaic, but they talk about how it has the most wonderful taste.
1: Well, that's true um, too. Yeah,
0: exactly. But it does have one, which is Lusk, which is a little bit obscure, means something like friend of cracking, mm-hmm. um, but it could be cracking in the same sense as tenemlade, which is one of the poetic techniques, which is actually about analysis. Mm-hmm. So it could well be that sort of cracking a problem you know well
1: it's one of the you know it's not going for it it's mm. thinking about it yeah yeah so it sort of balances the haze the it balances if you think across the tangent, you've yes. got the willow and you've got the uh the hawthorn which yes. is a matter of you fight you just have to go through it yeah you have no choice yeah but now with the hazel you have the opportunity to just, consider and yeah. think about it Sit and, think. and that's wisdom yes consideration absolutely yeah, yeah. and it, i've got it linked with the apple yes which in in it's the movable trees
0: well in the in the medieval oh when um when they were creating a tree alphabet where every letter was a tree name um straight after the letter Cull comes the letter quirt which mm. is represented in the latin alphabet by a q or sometimes by a double c that was a sound that had gone out of the language the word is still obscure um and so they gave it this attribution of the apple tree. So
1: that's sort of where it came mm. into. In terms I feel of the tree like it fits. it fits nicely there. It because does. It's a good partner to the you, hazel. As you've achieved, if your hero has achieved the wisdom, the mastery and the wisdom, mm. then at that moment is the gift of life. Yes. But life in the sense of, okay, you've earned it. You know how to live it. Now enjoy it. Yeah. And it's a good place to have those gift trees together. Yes.
0: And in terms of the the Wheel of the Year, we're at Lunasa, which is... All about the, first harvest. The first harvest. So, of course, you get the, that wonderful sense of
1: bounty and feasting of, you know, and the abundance of nature. So it sort of tells a story. Mm. Now we're moving towards the autumn equinox. Yes. Now, it gets a little confusing this time. <laughs> I mean, even the grave trees are totally confusing and everything gets slightly confused. Mind you, being at this quarter... I can tell you everything does get grapefruit confused all the time. <laughs> there, we've got the. It was supposed to be a vine. Well, that's, yeah, in
0: the medieval tree. It doesn't make any sense. Alphabet, yeah. I don't know why they ever chose vine since I, I the only people I know who've grown grapes in Ireland are quite eccentric, had to use, you know, <laughs> intensive greenhouses and came out with these little bitter raisins.
1: At it doesn't the end. really work. So, so I planted a bramble, which makes extremely good wine absolutely yeah um, but you just you try planting a bramble in the middle of a field of trees you know you keep having to try and how do you shape a bramble that bramble <laughs> stay there behave don't grow <laughs> in any other but yeah they don't take any notice no, absolutely but not. we've got a shaped bramble bush, know, which has taken quite some doing and it's it's another gift really yes and, and another
0: part of the it's sort of you have if you like the wholesome part of the harvest of the hazel and the apple but with the Blackberry, It could get a little bit more... Interesting. Yeah, liberating,
1: mischievous, <laughs> however you want to put it. <laughs> well, after this, oh, there's something missing because there was meant to be ivy. Yes. Now, that's pretty ridiculous too, really, if you think about it. It is. You can't really grow ivy on its own. Um, but also that the
0: poem letter that it's referring to is girth. Which means a field. It still means a field. <laughs> or garden, in fact. Well, yes. you know, it has the same root, again, as garden, um, girth. It's about a, a fenced and cultivated piece of land. and uh, so all the, the whole thing, really. Exactly. But, so the whole circle, really, can stand for girth, if you
1: like. Yeah, and I did, it didn't make sense, so I kind of left it yeah. out because... <laughs> Ivy tends to grow on things anyway. Yeah. And uh, then we run into even more problems (laughs) because the next one is, in fact, the reed. Yes. Now, I am not planting a reed in the middle of a reedy field People would think I just forgot to swim a bit, yeah, so I tried to find another tree that would sort of pre- would be the precursor of the elder. Mm. so we got the Gelder Rose, which is actually one of Grave's suggestions, and it did make sense, and it's a gorgeous, gorgeous it is a tree, gorgeous yeah. tree, and it means it's it is a native tree, and mm. it has white blossoms and red berries Mm. and it's almost like an elder but not quite as useful yeah it's it's a a foreshadowing if you like i mean the reed made sense in terms Well, it makes more sense in terms of the battle of the welsh battle of the trees where it talks about the reed though not strong was doughty in battle it's almost like to bend and not to break yeah you know, you bend with the winds and therefore you won't be broken. So it seemed to me that, uh, shall we say, in the, in this side, once you've learned all these tricks of wisdom and life, you also learn to bend, to be more flexible, mm. not to take things personally, yes. or at least to try not to. You know, it's part of that mature wisdom. And yes. It seems to just fit. Yeah. Then you're followed by one of the most important trees in the circle, which is the Elder. Yeah, which comes around
0: Samhain, which, of course, is the end and the beginning and is probably the most celebratory time of the year um, altogether. And I don't think it's any mistake that the English name for the tree is Elder, mm. that it is
1: associated yeah, with, yeah. you know, the old, the wisdom of older people. But it's also it's it's quite interesting again, if you think about the tangent across the circle, mm. it now balances the Rowan. Yes. And uh, the rowan in the spring, and the elder in the autumn—they're mm. they're like the tangents across the top of the circle. And of course, elder is the other tree that you'll find at a gate yes. of an old house. Once again, it's it's protective, but it's yeah. protective in a different way. Uh, elder is is a, again a mixed sort of tree. It's you, not supposed to make whistles because you could call the wind or you yes. could call the other worlds. It yeah. calls for day. It's it's it stands at the edge of danger. Mm. So again, it can be. A, it's very much a tree that's that's um, associated with the other world. Mm. Sometimes again with witches and so forth in some mythology some some folklore yeah but you never make a cradle out of elder no 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 no. and you can't burn Elder you really can't because it's poison. The anyway. same Yes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. That, that, again, it's <clears> one of <throat> those things where folklore and, if you like, science have, burn. have coincided. Yeah. That uh, look, yeah. it doesn't burn, but it does release very toxic fumes, and there is a yeah. long-held prohibition on burning elder for very good reasons. Yeah. Yes. Exactly.
1: And uh, yet, it gives you um, something that you can use for wine in the spring with its flowers oh, and yes. uh, and the berries. It's again. again yeah. it, it, it it is useful in every sense.
0: Yes. And as far as I know, there are various. All kinds of varieties of elder, which have uh, medicinal uses that are specific to women as well. Mm-hmm, you know, there's mm-hmm. a variety which is called cramp bark, and guess what that does? Mm-hmm. You know, help to prevent menstrual cramps. So there are, you know, medicinal associations. I think there might be some with menopause. I'm not a herbalist. I don't know. I'm not. So sure. I haven't looked into that. Yeah, one. but it's, I just like the tree. It's a wonderful tree, and it does it does grow quite a lot around here as well.
1: You think of everywhere there's an old house, yeah, around, or the remains of an old house. Yeah, growing. You'll, a grown you'll grown, see. It, in, it. Sorry, elder, elder next yeah. to it. Yeah. Then you move on, you're moving into the depth of winter. Now, mm. I put another tree, which I didn't know where to put it because mm. it didn't seem to go anywhere, which was the blackthorn. Mm. And I chose the blackthorn there because it follows... It, it, again, it, it's like another version of the Elder. And it's got a, quite a dark reputation. It's it, In folklore, it's to do with cursing and mm. all sorts of things. And, of course, uh, again, if you get a blackthorn embedded blackthorn, in oh, your skin, nasty. it can go very septic. And the blackthorn club Mm. And all sorts of things, and
0: it's it's a favourite wood for walking sticks, mm. uh, you know, because you can quote banish unquote unwanted attention with it, <laughs> banish <laughs> them over the top of the head. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> but on the other hand, I looked at it as coming in the darkest days, mm. but it has it is the tree of hope, anticipation, carrying white star blossoms on winter boughs. Mm. That's it heralds it's heralds spring. Oh, it
0: does, and you you can see that up and down. The country, when it's coming into spring, I used to watch it along the train line between Dublin and Carrick and uh, watch how the blackthorn blossom would kind of creep upwards from mm. the sort of slightly more southerly Dublin to the more northerly Leitrim and you uh, watch the progress east, yeah you know w- watch the progress of the blackthorn yeah. blossom to herald spring
1: yes yeah, spring definitely comes slightly later uh, further west as yeah. well as north yeah and then of course hidden behind the blackthorn is our beautiful Irish yew, yew. like a tall narrow candle yes
0: taxus fastidiata now, ewes are a particular favourite of mine. It, it corresponds to the OM letter for I or EO, uh, which, of course, is my initial. Um, but also, they do—they contain a lot of tra- traditions. Um, you'll find them in graveyards and cemeteries of all sorts, not just because they are evergreen trees, but also because they grow to such a tremendous age. There mm. are ewes that have been, in the Western Europe that can be aged back at least a thousand years, Mm -hmm. that still stand.
1: And again, it balances the oak, which is the other long-lived tree.
0: Yes, yeah. There's also, it's uh, Latin name, taxis, is where we get the term toxic. Pretty much every part of the yew tree is poisonous, except for the flesh of the berry. Mm. And yet its seeds, which are inside the berry, need to pass through a digestive tract before they can germinate. So in other words, a bird has to be clever enough to eat the berry and clever enough not to crunch up the seeds while it does so (laughs) in order for this tree to propagate.
1: And then, of course, the wood, when you cut it,
0: Mm. is red. We, as humans, tend to project human characteristics onto everything we see. And that's part of what the Kennings on the Birch is about, I think, because it it gives these sometimes human and sometimes Mm. tree characteristics of the, the withered trunk but fair hair. And I think that that's... Part of why that birch is at the beginning is because it's that
1: first mm-hmm. way of recognising human, human qualities. You have, they um, have this ancient you, yes, which can you know last for almost ever. Exactly. So it accepts you know that the hero goes into immortality. Yes. Yeah. You know the the route to eternity is mm. through the you. Yeah. We found it amazing how it does continuously tell the story. Exactly. Yeah. On it, I can pin almost any folktale or piece of mythology and you can find where it fits and it's a way of telling the stories it's also just a lovely garden I'm very much aware and was even 20 years ago that there was never any sort of tree circle out there in the landscape in early times so where did this idea of the Celtic calendar tree circle come from then? Well the
0: idea of using the tree alphabet to represent a calendar, it might have started with graves um, I certainly don't know of any older sources mm. for it. Um, but it might have been an invention of Graves. Well,
1: he was rather like the medieval monks. he was he was a poet and a classicist, yes, so and he invented he systems.
0: yeah, and he probably came across uh, references to this tree alphabet. and, uh, just wanted to see saw what would happen. It. Yeah, he it. saw patterns.
1: Yeah, and he wanted, like all classicists, to complete the patterns. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean because mm. that is part of what poetry loves is making patterns. Yes. So it's only one part. Yeah.
0: But the tree alphabet as a concept did already exist, and for that we need to go back to medieval scholarship to medieval mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. manuscripts um, most exemplary
1: in this is the book of Ballymote oh yeah now we're not far from Ballymote no here. not far at in all in fact I used to work in Ballymote once a week for about eight nine years yeah, it's only two stops on the train <laughs> um there's not much of this. there's not much of the uh, abbey left and not much of the castle left but the book is uh well the book is in the uh, it's in should... the Royal Irish
0: Academy now as far as I know it's a very interesting book manuscript, probably compiled thirteen ninety 1390 or thirteen ninety one, that kind of time, by a few named scribes and there may have been other unnamed contributors mm-hmm. to it as well. Um, when we talk about Irish manuscripts, we're not talking about either, you know, a novel or a single text like a dictionary or encyclopedia although maybe closer to an en- encyclopedia, a manuscript would have contained lots of different texts. So in the Book of Ballymote, there's things like Leven the Gert, which is uh, the Book of Rites, uh, which mm. is a law, law text. text. Yeah. Um, there's a collection of stories of Fionn and the Fianna. Um, there's also... The version
1: of the Levergavola. The
0: Levergavola, yeah, the Book of Invasions. There's some sort of biblical history. There's genealogy. There's even fragments of the Siege of Troy and possibly a bit of the Aeneid as well. So they they were incorporating the classical uh, text Mm -hmm. that they Mm -hmm. knew of as well. So, but... For our purposes, maybe the most important text that it contains is Orochept and Nagus, or the scholar's primer.
1: And it's, that's the only version of It's, like, it's the it?
0: only complete copy that we have. And we know that this was a very important text in uh, early scholarship. And the Orochept does contain within it the text known as the Oum Tract, mm-hmm. um, which deals with lots of different kinds of Oum.
1: Okay, well, give us a description of the OM letters.
0: OM letters, what you have is it's a script, so a way of inscribing, which has a specific order. And the way that it's structured is that there are four, uh, some say five, but I prefer four, groups uh, Mm. of five characters. So you have the first group, which is Beth, Lis, Farn, Sal, Lin. Some of
1: those you will have recognised and talked about.
0: Yeah, we already had Beth for the birch and fern for the the older. Um, And if you can imagine a vertical line, which is known as a stem line... Um, and then that first group are all written as notches to the right of that stem line. So Beth is one notch to the right. Uh, Lus is two notches to the right. And so on. And so on. One, two, three, four, five. And then the second group, they're again, one, two, three, four, five notches off to the left. Mm. Then the third group are slanted across both mm. sides of the stem and then the last group which is all vowels all the vowels um, they're either written as a horizontal line straight across or sometimes as dots on the stem line mm-hmm. uh, and again numbers one to five so that's your basic structure of the om script mm. and uh, the order of letters for want of a better term for now um, does remain the same
1: Mm. Mm. So
0: you find the same letters or letter names in each of the groups, and you find them more or less in
1: the same order. One thing I was going to ask you about, I nearly forgot. Yes, because there's loads of different kinds of om yes. aren't there? I always thought, what like many people do, that ohm is about trees. When I first looked at it 20 odd years ago, mm. it just isn't, is it? Well, it's trees are
0: is one of the om alphabets again. I've, I'm Putting loads of bunny ears around all these terms because they're they're not completely. uh, bunny ears applicable. Yeah, a bunny ears alphabet of bunny ears trees. Yeah, Um, there are uh, I think something like eighty (laughs) six or eighty eight different oams that are recorded in the Book of Ballymote in the Oam tract. Now, by different oems, some of those are kind of inventive ways of just writing the script. So instead mm-hmm. of using a straight notch, they'd use a little spiral or a little fort shape or, you know, those kinds of uh, inventive ways of Is writing really the script. So really just playing
1: with writing it down?
0: I think so, yeah. I think that some of that was, was, you know, a playful kind of experimentation with how it could be represented. But then you also get oems that are about counting, Mm -hmm. So you get the muck-ogham, or the (laughs) pig-og-ogham, where you use each group of letters to count different kinds of pigs. So in the (laughs) pig-ogham, there are four different colours of pigs, and if it's within the first group, you're counting one to five, let's say, white pigs. I can't remember quite what the colours are. Then the next group is one to five um, dun-coloured pigs. Sounds like
1: an infant uh, infant, uh, math scheme. We'll have four pig pigs one white pig, and some green pigs. Well, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it, it may indeed have been used at some point as a way of tallying uh, your stock, you know, or your possessions. Yes. Um, but then the, there are the kind of, the more alphabetic or mnemonic-seeming lists of Oem where you get things like, the, there's the, the beard Oem, which is food Oem, mm-hmm. where it names... Uh, all these different kinds of food, each beginning with the the successive letters. So you have, you know, some food that begins with B and then a food that begins with L and then F, S, N and so on.
1: it's more of an infant syllabus here. You've got your A is for apple, B is for banana, C is for cactus. No, I don't know. Carrot. We're talking about food. (laughs) I
0: don't know what kind of infant class you were running. (laughs) Cactus for lunch again, thanks.
1: C is for dinosaur. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, they're, they're they're quite like those kind of alphabetic lists. And one of those lists, or in fact, I think two of those lists in the Book of Ballymote, um, are tree lists. Mm. Um, now, sometimes they are extant tree names. Sometimes they're slightly cadged or slightly invented or perhaps borrowed from Latin. Um, but they're giving alphabetic lists of trees.
1: So, in other words, you had to find enough trees to fill up an alphabet. Yes, and there and enough pigs and, and enough pigs and people and, and enough
0: foods, the foods and <laughs> agricultural implements, and rivers and important places and saints and churches and anything that you wanted to create a list of,
1: you would use the O.M. Sounds like the sort of games I play when I'm trying to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, they are. Can a bit. I think of a, Can I think of a uh, well-known proverb beginning with X? Yes, you know, <laughs> X marks which the spot. I hopefully I never get oh. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> you never get past J. <laughs> yeah, no, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because people think that it's the OM Omen, Omen trees has become so associated. Yes,
0: they, they've become synonymous. Um, but in fact, it's only one aspect of it. Although there is more to it than just random listings, because there are some of the pre existent Oam names that go back. Before the medieval scholars that we're discussing at the mm. moment, and the ones who would have compiled the Book of Ballymote and other manuscripts like that, um, that the the basic Ohm letter names, the Beth, Lith, Farn, Sal, Nun, mm. as we've said, some of them are tree names. Yeah, yeah. And so, particularly in that first group, where you've got three recognisable trees, you've got Beth, Farn and Sal, and then into the second group where you've got things like Dar and Cull, which are also trees. But they're running out by the time they get to the
1: end of the list, Yeah,
0: by the time they get to the end, the the words are not so tree-oriented, and they are slightly just trying to fill in the blanks a bit. So it's sort of creating a poetic it is and uh, it's it's an ongoing work you know one of the other features of medieval scholarship that you'll come across is what we term a synthetic etymology. And you find these particularly in the glossaries where there's a word that's a bit obscure. And so the composer of the glossary breaks it up into what he thinks are maybe smaller, more familiar words that somehow then explain the meaning of the original mm. word in terms of more familiar ones. But it is, it's is—it's a creative process. So these
1: monk- monkish schools yes. were setting out to create and use older materials... as part of their heritage and what they gathered. Yeah.
0: Now, it's particularly important that it is within the context of the Oracle of because that was an absolutely fundamental textbook. Um, We have, from other manuscript sources, we have a list of, if you like, the curriculum that you study over 14 years in order to become a professional filler or poet. So that was your primer? Yeah, it's known as the scholar's primer, Mm. is how it's usually translated. And it's part of the study
1: of the first year of becoming a poet. So it's that important. It's the beginning, it's what you begin with. So in a way, the creation of these lists was like your ABC of poetry. Yes, and in fact,
0: over the first three years, you had to learn 50 oems each of those first 3 years which gives us 150 now the compilers of the book of balimote got up to 80 something they didn't quite make the whole 150 <laughs> so <laughs> but they did they gave it a really good, good try stab yeah but they knew it was important and they knew that it was central now,
1: before the i mean i think as far as i understand that there were schools of uh, scholarship mm-hmm. groups of scholarship long before there was the monks
0: yeah monks certainly came. um the,
1: the, well, the development, the Mon- the development of the monkish the, schools, yeah. was just a continuance. Shall yeah, we say? Yeah, that
0: that's certainly my it really died out. My my approach to it is that since particularly the class of Nevid or Phila, the, the learned class, was so important and so central to Irish society, and we have so much evidence for there being, you know, different seats of learning around the country, mm. North Connacht being one the very most, important yeah. one, and
1: so many of the books, yeah do come from this area. Absolutely, from yeah. I mean, the the Book of the Four Masters, the Book of the, the Annals yeah. of Lock Key, yes. the Book of Fina. Yeah. So, you um, know, the, there was... Just to name a few.
0: Yeah, and the, although those are going into late medieval times... The well, Book um, of Fina's earlier, isn't it? I'm sure that the the, Abba, the Abbey at Fina uh, mm. goes back much earlier. Well, I believe the um, Book of Fina's 13, 14th century. It yeah. is, yeah. Not a very similar period to the Book of Ballymote, uh, although more concerned with local matters, if you like, and bigging up the local saints. Saint, and why they saint should get rents from the areas around. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, there was a great tradition of scholarship, and I think that when the, if you like, Christian institutions of monasteries were very easily grafted onto mm. the system of, of schools and learning that was already here. And, and
1: also, we know about the very earliest monasteries. Were a very different system. The Celtic Christianity yes, was yeah. a very different system. And there seems to be, a. I mean, after all, in the earliest ones, there were monks, there, there, were, there were men and women yes, living and working together. Absolutely. So this system of scholarship, the mm. system of schools, yeah. seems to go back a very, very long way. Yeah, that would so definitely it, be my, my contention. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me that You know, what you seem to be saying to me is that by the 14th or 15th century, the Ohm system was already archaic. Oh, yeah, and uh, was studied much as classicists continue to extol the the needs for teaching the virtues, teaching Greek and Latin and so forth.
0: That's a very good uh, comparison to make, in fact, that it was uh, this sense that they didn't necessarily see how the system could be applied, but they knew that it was
1: somehow. Core or central to being learned or being educated. You know, I've noticed in the book of, I don't know a lot about it, but the book of Ballymote, I mean, I've seen a lot of different glyphs. And symbols, say, like Fionn's Window. Yes, which is where you get sort of concentric circles or squares and the ohm notches arranged around them. So this is a sort of example of the playfulness and inventiveness. Yeah. You're playing with an old system which is so archaic that you can change it, do it, and associate it with all sorts of other things which yeah. are more modern yeah. by your own standards.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, the, it was definitely... Innovative, and I think there there
1: was allowance for that kind of creativity. It reminds me of my uncle, who was not only a great scholar, and, yes, and, and classicist, uh, but also, you know, I'm Greek, Roman, Russian. He had 27 languages. He yeah. learned Greek. Learnt, went off to learn Russian and while he was doing learning Russian he got a bit bored so he learned Welsh, Welsh as well never learned Irish but he though. never learned Irish <laughs> but I know I was sitting talking to him one day and he said oh I've invented a new word he said I felt that there needed to be a new word in medicine that I could add to, to or, or that it happened to be a medical word yeah and he said most old words are created out of Greek and Latin yeah so he said and he I cannot I'm afraid remember what the word was but what it was was a word that described someone who had no moles so if you didn't have a single mole on your body, which yes. is very unusual, you would be a, and he, he'd come up with this wonderful new word. Yes, we're so expecting to get it accepted by the dictionary. Oh yes, I think it was with him. A lot of things were jokes. Yeah, a well, very serious classical yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah, which very few people understood except for him. Yes, <laughs> I think
0: we might we might be subject to a lot of that in some of the obscure parts of our manuscripts. You
1: just reminded me of that. Yeah, <laughs> and you have come across. I mean, the monks who are making the, the scholars. Let's call them scholars yes it's better than monks yeah the scholars who be who are writing strange little ohm inscriptions in the in the margins yeah, like yeah. i've got a hangover
0: yeah, yeah that's what one of those we know that it it was again part of that basic education because yeah we found these wonderful little you know personal notes in the margins and they use om almost as a sort of a private code you know and yet yeah, they do say such prosaic things as i have a hangover now that sounds more like so.
1: scholars the monks, you know, anyway, yeah. the idea we have of monks i know, yeah—but you've got scholars, students, yeah, sitting there going, "Oh, having to do all this yeah." I've got a hangover. They're <laughs> writing in the letter you in know. the market. yeah. No, it just—it just brings up such an image, yeah. Now, of course, um, later on, you you get these uh ohm inscriptions which are much more familiar on the great big stones that are dotted around the country, don't you?
0: Yeah, they they go back a bit earlier than the than the manuscript tradition that we're talking about. Um and yeah, this I
1: shouldn't have said later on. I meant later on in this
0: <laughs> Yes, in, in in our terms, because we're going backwards as ever. Um yeah, it's something that a lot of people may be familiar with uh, that you find on sort of individual standing stones and they use a kind of an edge on the stone as the stem line. Um, for the Ohm script and these are pretty much invariably people's names and I think that all but one of the uh, the known Irish inscriptions um, are male names. I think there's only mm-hmm. one which is Incan, someone or other, which is the daughter of someone or other. And uh, so,
1: are they memorials or um, what? Well, they're, they're certainly not boundary markers. They're not
0: associated with graves directly. You know that there's been no grave goods found mm. or no bodies found underneath or near to an own stone. Unfortunately though a lot of the stones have been moved, there's yeah. the one local from here that found its way into a, um, a stone wall, as many of them do, and then was kind of rescued and put back in the in the parish church. Um but yeah, these are they're people's names. Um and since they don't correspond geographically to graves, they could be a memorial of, you know the such eventual. a an event could be such and such was born here, like mm. our little blue, blue plaques, plaques that we have around the place, uh, or it could be indeed, you know, the an, a marking of an important boundary. You know, this this you are oh, now yeah. entering such and such as that. Their date is usually from what, like the fourth uh, fourth, the 11th, fourth to the sixth, sixth century, century, really. Oh, um, and again, I I find it interesting that it seems to coincide with the introduction of Latin learning. Mm. into ireland because as anyone who's either tried to recreate or even just to interpret the inscriptions on these stones uh, it's not a particularly well adapted or well suited system for spelling if out trying words to
1: take things and put them down literally literally
0: yeah well as if they've got the idea from the the latin learning the book learning the the, they have this thing called an alphabet which is made up of individual letters and you can string those letters together to make words. So oh, we've got something a
1: bit so like So we've had it for years. Yeah. yeah let's yeah. go and find out what it's, it was. Yeah. Exactly. Dig it up and, and try using it for something new. So what you're saying, it was more like an experiment in trying to use what they had in a sort of fashionable way. In a new way. I think so, yeah. And it, I mean, it wasn't the kind of fashion we
0: think of nowadays which might last for a few months. This did go on for several centuries, there's no doubt about
1: it. So if they're using these literally, Mm. You must end up with some strange sentences.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it's a bit like um, trying to write your name using
1: Japanese syllables. Oh, well, like you... I'm using here. Um, you've got your name on an Egyptian in hieroglyphics on a mug. Yeah. So
0: it, it, it might it actually mean anything. Well, it might mean something a bit unexpected. I mean, wh- one of the most common words that we'd get on an Oham stone is mak or mm-hmm. maku, meaning sun or sons. And let's take maku, for example, in the way that it would be. Um, spelt M-A-C-C-U. But if you take the letter names, what you get from maku is a sentence that actually says neck, ah, hazel, hazel, clay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So it is literally like Egyptian hieroglyphics.
0: Yeah, I think it it
1: can be. So you're ending up, if you don't understand, shall we say, the... Oh, the implication or the way... Exactly like Egyptian hieroglyphs. You just cannot take those in order because you have place markers, you have all sorts of things. It is not that simple as literal translation. Much more subtle. Very much like the probably urban
0: myth about Coca-Cola... Um, going into China and wanting to retain the sound of their brand name Coca-Cola, and so they translate it into Chinese pictograms. Where or the, Japanese, or, or. I'm not sure which it is. Like I say, could it could be well be an anyway. urban legend. Just urban, but just transcribed it so that it made the same sound, but what it meant, apparently, was bite the wax tadpole. Yeah, I
1: have heard that one. Yeah. So it could could have ended up a little bit like that. So when you... But nevertheless, you know, when you see all these little modern ohm talismans that you can make or buy that people wear, at least that goes back to the 6th century. Yeah, and 6th
0: century is probably (laughs) old enough for most people, but, you know, for for hardcore historical linguists,
1: there's still more to go. Look. You're saying that by this time, even by the 6th century, that this was so archaic that it was difficult to people... It was really not understood. So what evidence is there for the archaisms going back that far?
0: Well, one of the uh, very telling signs is that there are certain Oum letters that don't appear on any inscriptions. One that is particularly relevant relevant for this is the one that's usually transcribed as the letter H, Uath.
1: Oh yeah, we were talking about
0: Aura yeah. earlier on. Yeah. It's one that sounds like ooh. Uh. ooh. And again, <laughs> you you, do, you just don't get H as an initial letter in in Irish, mm. in, in you know, going right back to the primitive and archaic Irish that we find on the Ohm stones. And one theory which I would uh, agree with that uh, says why this is, is because it had been a letter P. Mm-hmm. There's a cognate word in Welsh uh, which also means horror, so cognate to ooth, probably something like puith, or I know I don't know Welsh, um, but that it's cognate, and it begins with P. Mm. Uh, so that in, if you like, in proto-Celtic, um, the, it would have stood for a P sound, but that, that P sound went out of Irish very early on. So even when they started to write these inscriptions in the 4th century, they had a letter that no longer had a sound associated with it. They had to kind of... Fill it in a bit, um, and then of course you get some um, some of the earlier inscriptions which would use a Q when they're spelling mock you know, yeah. M-A-Q, and then the later ones would use a C-C, so it would go M-A-C-C instead of M-A-Q. Because, again, it used to be a qu sound, but even by the time we get to that kind of primitive Irish or early old Irish... It's
1: already old. It's already, it's already gone. The sound has already disappeared from the language. So it's it really is archaic. Yeah. and it, it, <sighs> So it doesn't sound like it was ever really meant for a... Well, I don't
0: think... No, I don't think it was meant for a written okay. language. What it does reflect
1: though are the sounds that yeah. would have made up? Well, let's look at what's left. Yeah, it's almost like what it, it, you, it's making. It's disappearing before my face. is own, mm. you know, you've got what have you got left? What is own? Well, what you have is you've got this structure
0: where you have four groups of five, and you have the order and the names of
1: the letters. So it's not the it's the order and structure that yeah. matters. Well, look if it predates the use of written language. Well, what is it for? Well, it gives a grammar or a structure
0: to the universe... It's also very... It's, it can be a bit like a periodic table of elements. Yeah. Um, and, in fact, the letter names include things like tinnit, which is iron, and schraff, which is sulphur, alongside these other things. Which are not th- suggesting that, that, that they created a periodic table. No, because A it's, scientific periodic table. No, like, because no, it, it, it also includes things ah. like the sound ah, and so, um, a, so what is it a periodic table for? Well, it is this deep... Grammar and structure for understanding things, and most particularly, though, for poetic
1: language. Yeah. Now, I have to say, when we're talking about poetry, we're not talking about poetry as it's regarded now in the twenty-first century. No, we're not talking about
0: na- naval gazing or angsty teenagers or even sitting writing pretty poems about
1: trees. No, it's it's poetry, not as it was in the eighteenth, nineteenth century, and I don't think even today. Mm. I think what we're talking about is a way of seeing the world which would have included a way of almost like a scientific shorthand, mm. you know, law, genealogy. Yeah. How else would you describe? Very difficult to actually it describe quite, what we mean by poetry it is. in this context. And yeah. It comes up again and again and again.
0: Well, it's, it's it's a creative use of language that both clarifies and creates meaning. And in, you've told me before that predates
1: prose in the Irish system.
0: Certainly, I think that in a, as a literary form, um, I, I do have the belief by looking at by comparing the poetic and the prose passages of a saga such as Mytura, that the poetic passages, for a start, tend to be in an older language, mm. and also if you take them. Out of their prose surroundings, they almost make a continuous narrative of their own. So
1: what we have is poetry was a, a learned, scholarly way of talking, explaining the world that didn't just include, yet was a poetic way of speaking, mm. in which you could express your views of law, the law of the people, mm. law as law. Yeah. Uh, um, almost your ways, almost a shorthand for technolo- techn- the technology of the people. It was the learned language. Yes, and it was the very nuts and bolts of learning as well. well in it, in it, in the people who were, who didn't, it was an oral language. Yes. You needed poetry. Well, you needed
0: charged language, which is another way that, that poetry is, is described. Um, particularly the way that we now would say if we want something to be certain we'd say can I get that in writing
1: yeah so much, can I get
0: that in poetry yeah yeah M- much in the way now that we would want something on a piece of paper yeah. or possibly oh, hey, even don't a, just talk about it yeah
1: give it to me in poetry yeah
0: yeah so in in a time where you wouldn't have particularly something like a written contract the spoken contract so formal becomes essential. spoken
1: language absolutely which creates this solid world yeah
0: yeah that, that, know, that
1: in fact holds it makes the structure together yeah. it is the magic of word that makes things happen yeah yeah it's so that's what we mean by poetry but mm. i still feel i still want to go back and ask you again what <laughs> is home for well it is for making poetry and it's for understanding the universe You know, as a storyteller, I think I understand what you're talking about. What you're really talking about is a mnemonic, a coat hanger structure, on which you can hang anything. Yes. Now, I know a little bit about uh, uh, memory training and how... There are various techniques that different people, from mentalists, magicians, to everybody, use. Which is like having a house, and in your house, you have certain things in certain rooms. So if you're learning cards or system or any long list of things, you go to a room and an image, and the image helps you to create and memorize a lot of material. Mm. And I know from my interest in years ago was I was interested in the the, 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 the Jewish mystical system, the Kabbalah, mm. which has the Tree of Life, which is actually a mnemonic structure. Yes, which just the same thing mm. you associate things with the Sephira and you know or the Sephiroth mm. uh, each Sephiroth and so forth it, 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 it's not unheard of to have these complex mnemonic systems mm. and storytellers use them themselves oh yeah the storytellers tricks and um, for instance, Celtic Heritage gives a wonderful, which is... Owen um, and Brinsley Rees. Yeah, from the sixth book from the 60s. Yeah. But uh, the storyteller's handbook, mm. because it lists and sorts all the different types of stories. Yes. Where you have stories for weddings and stories for christenings mm. and stories for journeys and, and how these stories were to be used and told. Yes. Um, or even just structuring story itself with the Arne Thompson folklore. Um, how would you describe it? Um, index. Index. Yeah, or um, catalogue. So 505 or 6? Uh, was it five of, five 505? 505 is yes. The Grateful Dead. Yes,
0: as a, as a folklore motif.
1: So if you'd ever wondered where that name where came from. from. It actually comes from the Arne Thompson Folklore Index. Yes. So it, it's not a new idea, but yeah. it, it, it's something that's almost become something that's now done by it's a peripheral thing. We mm. don't need to rely on when we've got computers and hard drives. Mm. So if you like, this is a sort of mental, pre-literate hard drive. It is, rather, yeah. And um, structure, memory yeah. structure.
0: And, and the, the structure is, is also important, which is why I talked earlier about the periodic table, because one of the ingenious things about the mm. the periodic periodic table of elements is that the way that the elements are arranged uh, when they're in their rows you can see um, like those which have a a lower atomic weight are going to be up toward the top of the the table Um, but then if you look at elements in their periods in their columns that links up elements that have similar um, properties and the, this system was so good that it left gaps which have been filled in since mm-hmm. by elements that have been newly discovered but they fit there because of their properties and because of their structure and the OM is very much like that in the way that it relates things to one another
1: So it really feels to me like a, an oral society's computer hard drive Yeah But yeah. it's a way of storing and retrieving Random access memory yes thank you <laughs> you're always better at these things than me. i just go it's a hard drive yes. yes it's your ram memory yeah yeah okay but you know what it does do it brings me back to the tree circuit yes. again and why it works yeah. because that's a mnemonic system yeah where you can put elements of story in relation to one another and mm. it allows endless stories to be played out in it's patterning yes it's also quite a nice space to be it is a, a, a wonderful space in any season yeah um, Even in the snow. Especially in the snow. <laughs> in the rain.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the mud. Can be. <laughs> in the frost. Yeah, but it, it it is simply another creative extension of what the structure and the
1: underlying function yeah. of
0: OM is. The,
1: yeah, so the Robert Grays might not quite. He wanted to sort of create a complete system, and in fact, the complete system was already there. Mm. But it's not quite this, this, the modern listing system that we think it is. More that open. It's it's more dynamic. It's an empty wardrobe, not a full one. You yeah, know, it's full well, of. No, hangers. go back to the hard drive. It's yeah, better in. <laughs> it's also a magical system, mm. but not as people usually use this. It's not about magic spells and strange. You know, sort of things that nobody knows why they work and fooling other people. It's it's the magic of story and the mm. magic of word, and the word creates well, the universe in yeah. that sense.
0: And and the way that words can change the world, um, and particularly when when again you you dis- dispel the idea of pre-writing societies being somehow primitive. Oh no! You know, poetry is then it has to make the, word, the world. It, it, it says who's king. It says who's married to whom and what belongs to whom you know the, the language
1: really does make the world in a very mm-hmm. concrete way to the point where the old bards were supposed to have been able to raise blemishes on people's faces mm. if they uh, if uh, you know the, the speaking of untruth or truth mm. if you did not speak the truth yes then the, the blemish would rise on your face mm. you know the, you can understand how this would be yes it is the magic above mm. all the magic of poetry yeah so I hope that's uh, an introduction to what is actually quite a complicated, complex subject. It is, rather, but endlessly but fascinating
0: yeah. as well. So, yeah, have a look at the wonderful pictures of the tree circle
1: on the blog. We're not going to do reams of articles. but well, we hope you enjoyed that and yeah. you hope you've managed to follow it. <laughs> Next time, I think we're just going to sit and discuss the hill we live on because there's so much to talk about it. So we'll be looking at the hill she begged.
0: Thank you for listening to... Oglef Nanegas, conversations about Irish mythology with the Story Archaeologists, Chris Thompson and Isolde Carmody. For more information or to subscribe, please visit www.storyarchaeology.com. You can get in touch via email on storyarchaeologists@gmail.com. at gmail.com.